0: wonder if you've ever had that thought uh, that it's easy to have, uh, where you think, oh, wouldn't it have been great to be a Christian back then? I mean, the church was growing, uh, the spirit was at work, the gospel was going out. It was like a little taste of heaven back then. It's so difficult being a Christian these days. So many things are against us as Christians. Ever been tempted to think like that? Uh, And then you read a passage like this, and it turns that thinking on its head, doesn't it? They did not have an easy time. In fact, these were people who were in an absolute minority uh, in their nation and their culture, uh, and they were people who were so convinced of the truth of the gospel uh, that they were willing to die for it. I mean, imagine uh, if you were uh, hauled up in front of, uh, say, Newcastle City Council, and, uh, uh, and you were laid into because of your faith, like even without any threat of death. It'd be pretty difficult, wouldn't it? I wonder how you'd find that. And yet here, in Acts chapter 7, the threat of death looms very large for Stephen as he's before the council. Uh, imagine what that must have been like. And yet, here in this passage, uh, we get the most amazing picture of Stephen's last day, don't we? We see how Stephen lived, how he spoke, how he died. Uh, And death is so often revealing, isn't it? Uh, And here it reveals a man whose passion is Christ. Uh, In his last day, he shows us how to live uh, and he shows us how to die. Let's pray before we go any further. God. Father God, we thank you for those who have gone before us, especially those who have been willing to die for the faith. Today we particularly remember and give you thanks for Stephen. Thank you that he showed us what it looked like to live and to die for Christ. Please speak to us and change us through this part of your word this morning. Amen. Well, if you're here here last week and you remember back to chapter 6, which we looked at, you'll know that it's clear that Stephen was living for Christ before this day. Uh, We're told that he's a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's full of grace and power. Uh, He's performing signs and wonders among the people. And when opposition arises, uh, we're told that the men who argued with Stephen uh, were no match for the wisdom given him by the Holy Spirit. And so, these men decide to falsely accuse Stephen, uh, and they have him arrested and they haul him before a council. At the end of chapter six, we're told that uh, we're told what they are they are holding against him. Uh, They accuse him of uh, speaking against their great forefather Moses. Uh, They claim that he constantly speaks uh, against the things they hold above almost everything else uh, the temple and the law and their forefathers. And they stir up the people and the religious leaders against Stephen. Uh, And so, chapter 7, verse 1, Stephen is before the council. And the high priest asks Stephen the question, are these things so? Uh, Are are these um, charges true against you? And Stephen launches into the most amazing, uh, bold speech, doesn't he? He takes them right back to Abraham and some of the key Old Testament figures in order to show them that there are lessons from the story of God's people throughout the Old Testament, uh, lessons from history, Uh, that maybe they've never learned or maybe never even noticed before. He wants them to see that he is actually honoring Moses uh, and the law, and ultimately he is honoring God. And so Stephen says to them, and I think he says to us today as well, learn the lessons from history. Learn the lessons from history. Now he covers a lot of ground here, doesn't he? Uh, I'm going to try and cover it without doing a full Bible overview. Uh, but uh, he goes right back uh, to the time of, uh, of Abraham. God gave Abraham a covenant, a promise. Uh, he said to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Uh, God was at work. It was God who uh, appeared to Abraham, God who spoke. Uh, God sent, he promised. Uh, God was with his people right back then. So long before there was even a holy place, a temple, uh, God was with his people. Then Stephen moves on uh, to the great Old Testament figure of Joseph. He reminds us, verse 9, that uh, Joseph's brothers sold him into Egypt, uh, but God was even with him in that foreign place, uh, and he rescued Joseph. And he gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, verse 9. God was with Joseph even in a country that wasn't his own. And God provided for his people in a famine through Joseph, even in a country where his people were strangers. And there's certainly no temple there. Jesus is made ruler over, uh, sorry, Joseph is made ruler over Egypt by Pharaoh. Uh, And verse 17, the people, God's people in Egypt, increase and they multiply. (coughs) But then Joseph dies, and uh, a new king comes along, and he persecutes the people. Uh, God had warned Abraham, Stephen tells us, uh, that his people would have slavery and mistreatment there. Uh, We see that in verse 6, but he had promised Abraham that he would rescue them. Even when God's people's prospects look incredibly bleak, uh, and they are in a foreign land, God provided a rescuer. Uh, Verse 20, we're told, at that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child, verse 20. Stephen's first lesson is that God is faithful to his people again and again and again. That's his first lesson from history. (laughs) Stephen then reminds them that God uh, appeared to Moses at the burning bush. Uh, And verse 33, God says to Moses, take a look, verse 33, he says, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you, Moses, to Egypt. God was providing someone who could rescue his people. And Stephen reminds us that that place where Moses was standing in front of the burning bush in the presence of the living God is holy ground. Stephen is making the point that wherever God is, is holy. God was present with Abraham. uh, He's present in Egypt. He's present in the, in the desert with Moses he does not need a temple Stephen shows them that uh, far from Stephen bad mouthing Moses uh, he has immense respect for Moses he shows them that through Moses ministry God had kept his promises to Abraham and not only that but Stephen says even Moses himself pointed the people to Jesus Uh, He shows that, um, verse 37, uh, he says, Moses said to the people back then, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Uh, God will raise up another rescuer. And yet, just as the council in Stephen's time are rejecting Jesus and Stephen, even the people back then rejected Moses. Have a look at verse 36. Uh, it says, well, Stephen says, This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea, uh, and in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, Moses, well, God through Moses was their rescuer. But verse 39, our fathers refused to obey him, uh, and they thrust him aside. Now uh, the people wanted to make their own gods, uh, they sacrificed to idols. Uh, verse 41, uh, they were rejoicing in the, wo- in the works of their hands. They were rejoicing in themselves rather than God. You see, history shows us again and again that people reject God uh, and put themselves as number one. Uh, even after all God's faithfulness. That's lesson number two from history. Uh, they did it back then uh, and we still do it today, don't we? Uh, All of us have a tendency towards pushing God away. Uh, We minimize God. And so Stephen finishes by reminding them and us who God is. Uh, He lifts our eyes to God's glory. Do you see that in verse 48? Stephen says, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Uh, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Uh, what kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Stephen says, uh, through the Old Testament prophet, the earth is God's footstool. Uh, God is everywhere. Uh, he made everything. He made the universe. He made the atom and the ants." And even Solomon, who built the temple, recognized that. Uh, Stephen doesn't say this in his speech, but if you look at at the book of 1 Kings, uh, after the temple was built, uh, Solomon, who built the temple, uh, he says this, But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house, uh, this temple that I have built. The temple was a was meant to be a physical sign that God was with His people. He was faithful to them. But God is never contained. God doesn't need a temple. He is unconfined. He's awesome. He's worthy of worship. And amazingly, He is with His people wherever they are. He is a faithful God. And so Stephen moves to finish his speech. And he finishes with a real, a real punch in the gut, doesn't he? But it's said in love. He says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Stephen has shown that God's people have a long history of rejecting the prophets. And the council before him are just following in their footsteps by rejecting the prophet, uh, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. Uh, Stephen boldly calls them out as being just like the people back then. They're stubborn, their hearts don't follow God's, and they don't listen to him. And they reject God in their pride. And the, the unsaid question, I guess, at the end of Stephen's speech uh, is this. Are they going to humbly listen to God through Stephen? Uh, or will they turn away in their pride? Will they humbly listen to God or turn away in their pride? Maybe it's a question that we need to hear this morning as well. Will we listen to God? Sadly, later on, we're told that Stephen speaks of Christ and they literally cover their ears over. Verse 54 they're enraged by what he says, they grind their teeth at him. Stephen must have known that it meant trouble. And yet, Stephen knows where his help comes from, doesn't he? He's, he's learned the lessons of history. He knows his Old Testament. Verse 55, Stephen lifts his eyes to heaven. He sees God's glory. He sees his saviour, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. He keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus. I love this bit here. You see, the Bible always pictures Jesus as seated at God's right hand. But here, Jesus is standing. And it seems that he's ready to welcome the first martyr home. He's ready to welcome Stephen home. And Stephen has peace as he sees that. Stephen is brutally stoned. We're told, verse 59, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's life was full of Christ, wasn't it? And so was his death. He died a, a terrible death. Uh, But in that death, there was uh, an awesome beauty, wasn't there? And as we look at these uh, lessons from history, uh, as we look to Stephen's life and death, uh, the question for us this morning is, will we faithfully follow Christ? uh, Or will we reject God in our pride? You see... The great messages that woven throughout that history, woven throughout the Old Testament, is a message of hope. And that is hope. Now that's the, the tragedy of the council not listening to Stephen. Now we see again and again that the very people that God rescues uh, are those who had turned away from him. Uh, Israel's story is threaded together with God's faithfulness and his rescue of his people and putting our trust in Jesus today is God's ultimate rescue. But if we're gonna follow Christ, if we're gonna trust him, uh, Stephen shows us two important lessons here. He shows us many things, but let me pick out two key lessons. Uh, Firstly, we're reminded that if we're to follow Jesus, it will bring enemies. Uh, this morning it's the, the Great North Runners' Nets. Uh, all of you guys are obviously the sensible folks because you've chosen not to run 30 miles uh, in this temperature. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty warm even just preaching a sermon up here in this heat. Uh, but if you choose to do the Great North Run, uh, you'd be foolish to think uh, that all the training and the race itself uh, is going to be easy, wouldn't you? Uh, that would be foolish. But hopefully the challenge is worth it, hopefully. Uh, and... St- Stephen shows us uh, that choosing to follow Jesus won't always be easy. Uh, Jesus himself said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, Following Christ will bring enemies and opposition. And we see here that Stephen, he didn't see that opposition uh, as a sign that God wasn't working out his purposes, or that these things weren't true, uh, or even that God wasn't with him at that moment. Uh, Stephen knew what it meant to follow Christ. uh, And he was ready for this day, his last day. As we've seen, he he knew his Bible and his history. Uh, He trusted God's. And so he sought to act like Jesus and to speak like Jesus, uh, even if it brought enemies. At the start, I said how easy it can be to look back at that time with rose-tinted spectacles, can't it? Uh, In many ways, we've got it so much easier than back then. Uh, But there will still be times that are hard as Christians. There'll be people who seek to oppose us. people who speak against us. Uh, And we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, Instead, we are to remember God's faithfulness. We're to learn the lessons of history. uh, And we're to be bold in living for him and speaking for him. Uh, And we're not to just do that kind of for the sake of it, but we're to do it out of love for others uh, and love for Christ. You see, Stephen also shows us here that following Christ means loving our enemies. Stephen is literally being stoned to death, isn't he, by his enemies, and incredibly, he cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And you can't help but be reminded of Jesus' words on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Uh, Loving our enemies uh, and those who don't know Jesus uh, doesn't mean we don't ever speak truth uh, or speak directly. That was pretty clear from Stephen's speech, isn't it? Uh, But we do it from a place of love and wanting mercy for them. I mean, how could Stephen want mercy for these murderous people? How could he love them? I'm sure this must be why. Uh, He's seen the glory of God, hasn't he? And he's seen the glory of the Lord Jesus. He knows that one day he will be vindicated in front of the true judge. He knows his hope is in Jesus. And he knows that he personally has been mercifully saved by the grace of God alone. And all of this by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he can pray for them. And here's the fantastic thing to finish with. Uh, We're gonna see later in Acts that that prayer, Stephen's prayer for mercy on those people was wonderfully answered. Uh, And it was answered in the life of one man, uh, a man called Saul, who at this point, we're told approved of Stephen's execution, chapter eight, verse one. Uh, And his prayer is answered in the most incredible way in Stephen's life, isn't it? In Saul's life, sorry. Uh, even in this awful stoning, we can look back at history uh, and we see that God was with his people. Uh, he was with Stephen. He is faithful. And so the question is will we trust him today? Uh, if today was our last day, What would it say about where our trust is? And who are we praying for? Who are we asking God to show mercy on? Who are we asking God to bring to saving faith? How God can work incredible things, even in the bleakest of circumstances. Let's pray. Father God, please help us to look beyond the problems, uh, the challenges, the enemies in our lives, to see the Savior who died for us and who now stands with open arms waiting to welcome us home. And we pray that you would help us to live, uh, to speak, and even to die in a way that honors him and trusts him. In Jesus' name. Amen.